We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it's episode 44, and we have yet another very special guest this week to talk all things hockey, both NHL and to talk college hockey. We have got ESPN's own John Bucci-Gross joining us. We will go over what we think is going to happen this season, a little bit about the bubble last season, and so much more. Plus, we got to celebrate. The Browns are 10-4. and four. We're going to talk about that uh, and their upcoming game against the Jets, which can really essentially lock off a playoff spot for them. All that, plus Joey lost at Fantasy Football, Garage Beers of the Week, and more. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open your favorite cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. All right, and welcome everybody to episode 44 of the Garage Beers podcast. Find it online at the Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram and at the Garage Beers podcast on Facebook. I'm your host, Michael Keefe. You can find me at Garage Beers Mike on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, my amazing co-hosts, my my festive co-host on this holiday week uh, over on the east side of Cleveland. Find him online at Garage Beers Chad. It's Chad Meyer. What's going Hi. on, Chad? Hi. Happy holidays, guys. Uh, yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. It's a uh, early Christmas episode. I'm excited to reveal my mystery beer. If you didn't catch the my video last night, I, I uh, you know, I revealed my brewery that I was drinking early. It's BrewDog based down there in Columbus. Uh, and in the 12 pack, it was six of their normal beers, but it was six mystery drinks, fellas, four Ooh. mystery beers, four mystery beers and two mystery ciders. So I put out a poll last night and we'll find out which one everybody picked. Oh yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> that was a good video. I'm excited to find out what the mystery beers are. Uh, do you know what it is at this point? I do. I do. I've already, I've okay. already, All I've right. already pulled it. It's sitting right here, but I'm not going to show you guys until we're ready. Don't, don't you dare! I saw a little yellow. I don't want to see anymore. Ask. All right. So Chad's getting ready to reveal his mystery beer, and uh, before we get to our garage beers of the week, we also got to bring in over there in Avon uh, again, hanging out up here with us for the holidays. Find him on Twitter at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe? Uh, not too much. Excited for the holidays. Did all my Christmas shopping in two days, uh, as in tradition. So I'm glad that's done. 
Um, and now I have one full day to relax, maybe do a little golfing because it's supposed to be like 46 tomorrow, which is really warm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, things are going well. Then it's supposed to rain. Not maybe, not maybe, not maybe do a little golfing. We got a tea time. Oh, you do. Nice. We do. Yeah. It was actually kind of tough to find one. We, we called a couple places and they said they were close. It's like, do you know how often it gets above 45 in December? (laughs) (laughs) You guys are missing out on guaranteed revenue there. Where are you golfing at? We're golf. Uh, We're going out uh, Columbia station out to Mallard Creek. Yeah. And it's not supposed to rain until 6 p.m. tomorrow. So we're, we're good. We're in the Which 18 are you golfing? I don't know. One of them. Do you know, Joe? Because there's like. Yeah, one of them. We're going to be on one of them. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. But there's like there's like 42 nines at that course. So I was just. Yeah, curious. there are. <laughs> which which uh, one you're going sure, to I'm sure you can pick when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably not going to be packed. No, I don't think so. No. Well, so. they they made us do a tea time because they said they were so busy. See? So. Look at that. Wow. It's going to be 45. I'm going to wear shorts. Let's go. No, you're not. Come on. <laughs> No, you don't want the public to see I'm that. An idiot. <laughs> no, not these pasty things. They're not going to. So golf tomorrow. Uh, but tonight we got a lot of fun. Uh, we we had an awesome interview with ESPN's own John Bucci-Gross just talking all things hockey as, as the NHL uh, made some news this week that they're coming back. They announced their dates. They announced how everything's going to look. Uh, so we'll get into that with John Bucci-Gross. Super excited for that. He was awesome. Plus, we're going to talk Browns. We're going to talk college football, all that. But before we get to any of that, we got to get to our favorite segment of the week, and it is our Garage Beers of the Week. And, Chad, you got the surprise beer, so you're going all last. Right. We're going to make everybody wait in suspense <laughs> for your surprise beer. Perfect. And I, I'm going to lead us off this Good. week. I, don't, I feel like I never, hardly ever lead us off, so I'm going to lead us off this week. Yeah. Uh, I was over at my at my usual, at my usual place, the usual, Simone's. The usual, the usual place. Okay. Uh, Simone says like a whole rack of just kind of singles, yeah. like, but the kind of local singles. Uh-huh. I don't even know if this is, to be honest with you, it was just there. Are they, uh, are they single or are they dating? <laughs> well, it's from Michigan. Oh, they are non taken. Oh. It's complicated. Oh, damn. All right, fine. <laughs> so this isn't exactly local. It's from Michigan, but I saw this all of a sudden I see these, this row of like five or six, 16 ounce cans <laughs> of uh they're all milkshake stouts and you know i am a sucker for a stout so these are called milkshake stouts there's all different like flavors of milkshake stouts there's like peanut butter chocolate milkshake stout and like a whole bunch of different ones so it's from rochester mills beer company in auburn hills michigan former home of the detroit pistons uh and the one i chose for this week is their English toffee oh milkshake stout. Okay. Now I am a, I'm a nut. I'm a, I'm a sucker for English toffee. Like a Heath bar. Yeah. Is my jam. Oh, dude, Heath bar, a Heath uh, bar blizzard is my go-to at D, at Dairy Queen. Yeah. Give me some toffee. Unless it's a score bar. Everybody knows Heath is better than score. Don't try to argue that you're going to lose. Uh, so I'm trying this one. It is. It's probably out of 10. It's probably a six. It's probably a six. It's, it's not, it didn't knock my socks off. Actually the flavor of the English toffee isn't, you got to kind of look for it. And it's a little thin for like a stout that I usually look for, but it's good. It's not, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad, um, but 
I don't know that I'm going to run out looking for Listen, it. Listen, I, you just, you just, you just got my mind in a pretzel here. Whoa. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a score. What, what is a score? Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of with you on that, Chad. What? Yeah. Next time you're at the store, next time you're, next time you're at a store that has like a big candy thing. Okay. There's Heath Bar. The score. It's S K O R. Oh, okay. Never. Mind. I've seen I it. I've never that. had it. I've never had it. I've seen yeah. it. Never had it. It's like if you want to just if if a company was just going to knock off a Heath bar, right. they would just make it's a the score Aldi, bar. That's the basically Aldi what they. Right. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the but like what's worse than that's Aldi? The giant eagle brand. Oh, uh, save a lot. That's the save a lot score bar. It's like it's like Aldi before they redid their scores. <laughs> oh, yeah, before they went all natural. Yeah. That's that's basically what it is. So uh, again, it's it's a good beer. I would say if you saw it, it's it's an okay one to try. Uh, I, I'm not blown away by it, but again, Rochester Mills Beer Company, the English Toffee Milkshake Stout. That's my garage beer this week. Joey, what's your garage beer this week? Well, to be honest, this was a let me just grab whatever's in the fridge before uh, <laughs> coming here. But I actually haven't had this one yet, and it's really good. It's um, Melvin. Brewing company. It's their two by four double IPA. And they got a, uh, oh, yeah, they got this like one. wooden knight sawn off his arm on the bottle or can, which is pretty dope. And it says, Melvin if your beer is not madness, it's not beer. So these guys are all about the, it's 9.9% ABV. Like, uh, it's a pretty heavy beer. Um, but light tasting. It's a pretty like citrusy tropical IPA, quite juicy. So, uh, oh uh, boy. That's why nice. Mike likes it. Oh, also, Mike. Juicy. Uh, pur, 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 pur. How, how are you now, like, with the amount of stouts that you drink, these, like, these, like, huge, rich dessert stouts, how are you now, like, 700 pounds? Uh, right. Dude, I I ride my Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of those guys. Okay. Oh, I am, but I don't talk about it. But I do. It, it is awesome, but I don't talk about it because uh, I don't want to be that guy. So... <laughs> And frankly, we don't release a lot of videos, so I could be 700 pounds. I guess so. Yeah. You wear it. You, you never know. You don't wear, judge me. You wear it well. You do. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you're you. Welcome. Yeah. It's it's hidden. Uh, all right. So we've got the Melvin. We got the uh, English Toffee Milkshake Stout over here. And now it's time for the big reveal. Chad Myers Mystery Garage Beer of the Week. Chad, what'd well, you pick? Gentlemen. Uh, so uh, there were five different beers. Uh, no, excuse me, six different beers, right? Uh, mystery beers that they could have picked up two ciders the and I you know I put a poll A B C D E F uh, and the overwhelming response that I got was mystery beer C okay and um, the this mystery when it beer Charlie out this mystery beer oh. this mystery beer was not a, a a type of beer that was already in there that was already listed so it's a different style of beer that wasn't in there but it's the Kaiser Co-op German style Dortmunder. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Dortmunder. The Empire Strikes Gold. Look at that, fellas. Wow. Look at that, fellas. It says it's brewed in Ohio, driven by passion, and united by Brewdog. Uh, and I gotta be <laughs> honest with you guys. Uh, it's 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 tasty. I mean it it kind of it drinks more like a pale ale to me. It tastes more like a pale ale to me. But uh, you know it's not bad. It's smooth. It's uh, kind of anticlimactic because I was hoping <laughs> I was hoping for uh, 
you know, I don't know something, but it's 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 good. It's not it's not terrible. It's drinkable. So uh, yeah, we're good. You think I should just do the rest of the podcast in this high voice? Maybe. If you would mind <laughs> not doing that, that'd be great. Maybe a little uh, problem for the protagonist. <laughs> Some friends become enemies. Some enemies become friends. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that is my... Everybody, everybody's richer for the experience. <laughs> that is my German-style Dortmunder. Kaiser Co-op German-style Dortmunder <laughs> from BrewDog. It's a good beer. Do it. Check out the hotel. From BrewDog, down in Columbus. Uh, friend of the show. Again, I've, I've mentioned Lauren a couple times. She got me my beer for the show last uh, last week. Uh, but Lauren went down. Uh Lauren went down to uh, her and her wife, Nettie went down to the brew dog hotel. Not long ago said it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to try it. And I don't know where they've been posting about it online. Uh, they posted a, actually a location, but I think we're actually going to see brew dog in Cleveland uh, in the near nice. future. Uh, I know they're looking for locations to open up a location up here. So uh, brew dog there. Uh, Is lo- what, who makes the Melvin? Who makes the Melvin? What was the brewery? I think it was Melvin. And the beer is called two by four IPA. Oh, there you go. All right. Melvin, uh, that brewery. And we've got Rochester mills beer company. Those are our garage beers of the week. Send us your garage beers this week. What beers are you drinking? What beers are you celebrating with? Cause this is a week of celebration, the holiday, the freaking Browns, uh, other and the NBA is back college football. Yeah, there's a lot to celebrate. So let us know what you're drinking to celebrate. Uh, and, uh, and give us suggestions. If you've got beers that you think we should try on the podcast, let us know. We are always willing to try those. Now is Lauren a, uh, kind of like your buddy, your coworker buddy, would she go on road trips just to get beer, just to get like five grand worth of beer? No, 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 <laughs> no, no not many people are like, there are not many people like that gentleman, okay. Matt. Uh, no, mm-mm. uh, no, Lauren's more of a normal sane human okay. being. <laughs> All right, so we got a lot to get to, but we are going to start with something we're so excited about uh, every once in a while. Well, really every time for us, to be honest. I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, no matter who it is, when a guest uh, when a guest says they want to come on and join us on the podcast, it's super exciting. This one, no different. We are uh, we had an awesome interview that we're going to send it over to right now with ESPN's own John Bucci-Gross. All right, and now we are very excited here on the Garage Beers podcast to be joined by uh, a, a longtime ESPN analyst, uh, uh, an honorary Ohioan, at least an Ohio college guy, uh, and uh, we're really excited to talk hockey. He's a big-time hockey guy. His college hockey, college hockey, uh, uh, hashtag is crazy all over Twitter. Uh, so we're really, really excited to be joined by ESPN's own John Bucci-Gross. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the Garage Beers Podcast. Good to be here, boys. Thanks for having me. So big news, obviously. Uh, recent uh, hockey's coming back. It's announced. I mean, I think we all knew it was coming back, but uh, it kind of followed the baseball uh, uh, method there for a minute where it looked like they were coming back, and then they had to talk about financials and all that stuff, and uh, it delayed probably a little more than all of us wanted it to. Uh, but that's pretty exciting news. Are you, are you ready to uh, to get talking about hockey again uh, on TV? Yeah, it's kind of tough because, you know, the whole rhythm of our calendar has been off. Um, you know, there's no preseason. It's just going to kind of appear out of nowhere when it does. We might even forget, oh, yeah, the season starts tonight or tomorrow, kind of like the NBA happened. And uh, so, yeah, you still really can't believe it. You still wonder. It's still kind of a bummer because obviously – 
no fans. It's just not the same. And, um, you know, it'll be good seeing games again. But for me, it still won't be what it was until we see packed arenas again and we're back on the calendar. So it's still kind of just a Band-Aid thing. And uh, just uh, – but, you know, it will be good to see games and watch the players again. But and, I, and, and obviously some rinks will have some fans, which will be cool. Um, the Florida teams will have a few. So that will be nice. Maybe at least it's uh, something. And it does make a difference when you watch an NFL game, even if there's only 10,000 people there, it does, it does help. So for those few games where we have fans, it'll be nice. And uh, just, yeah, I think just one step getting back to the normal calendar, hopefully next fall, that's what all this is. Yeah. You know, you mentioned it and we're, we're Cleveland guys. Uh, so uh, I think they've been letting somewhere between six and 10,000 people into the Browns games. Yeah, and you, right. can, you can tell, you listen yeah. to it on the radio or on TV. Sometimes it sounds like the place is sold out. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, some of these TV networks are pumping the audio a little bit, even ESPN. <laughs> uh, so sometimes it gets annoying, but you can still hear them. You know, you can definitely makes a difference. And just seeing the camera shots of people, you know, cheering and dressed up and stuff helps. And so it'll be a, uh, I think that will help a little bit. Again, the slow crawl back to normalcy. Um, but, yeah, we're here. And, again, I've done two college games at the rink this year, one at Penn State and one at Ohio State. So that was cool to be there. Uh, they had parents at uh, the Penn State game from family members. So that was cool. No one at Ohio State. Um, and that was a giant arena. So, But it was still great. Yeah. To, it was still great to be there. Good to be there uh, at the arena, call a couple games and – so, yeah, so uh, nothing really feels right yet, but it'll be good to have games on. You know, before we get into the upcoming season, you know, we, we, we went through the whole bubble. It feels like that just ended. That feels like it was two weeks ago. Uh, and, and I have to say, hockey, I think, was the sport. And it surprised me because I thought hockey needed the fans. Like, I, I thought hockey was going to be maybe a little tough to watch without the fans, even if you love hockey. Uh and I thought hockey was the most enjoyable of all the sports that came back uh, until really football. But between basketball and baseball and hockey, I thought, I mean, I just feel like the NHL, uh, and I don't know what your impression of that was, but I feel like the NHL just did that so well with the two bubble system. Uh, and it really, they made it enjoyable to watch. It was pleasant to watch. Yeah, I agree. Very competitive. Uh, hockey has great sounds, much like baseball. It was cool to hear the crack of the bat in an empty stadium because it really accentuated it and kind of had an echo effect. And same with uh, same with hockey, you know, blade on ice and, and the puck around the boards and uh, the checks into the boards. And uh, it just, I always got a kick out of when there would be a scrum or some sort of fight. <laughs> it's just, it's like a beer league situation where no one's there. It's like, what are we doing? No one's even here. Uh, but you forget <laughs> it's their profession and it's their livelihood and they're playing for a championship. So um, it was different. And, uh, but I agree right away, you could tell it was going to work and look good and sound good. And, um, and it, right to the end, it was very, very, very good. Yeah, I think especially in the end, uh, did you do you think and again, I'm a, I'm a Cleveland guy, right? So I didn't have a, an NHL team growing up. So I was a Penguins fan for a lot of reasons. So I grew up a Penns fan. I know you're from uh, the, the Pennsylvania area, so I don't know if you maintain a fandom there. I know you came to Ohio uh, earlier on in life, but uh, I'll call my own team out a little bit. Do you feel like maybe early on there were a couple teams in those beginning rounds that just weren't into it? I mean, it's hard to read someone's mind and intent. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a group vibe. Uh, 
for whatever reason, teams just didn't get together early enough or had a collective reason to be there. And just, yeah, I'm sure there were some teams that were flat, maybe to use the best word, and uh, just couldn't quite get the momentum of the situation. And But I, I'm sure they all went there with good intentions and to play hard and to give it a great shot. Um, maybe some went with better uh a better mindset and better preparation and others thought maybe they could do it on the fly. Maybe, maybe someone did something differently that made them more prepared. But I think for the most part, it's just, you know, it's hockey's a tight sport. It's a hard salary cap league, not a big difference in talent throughout all the teams. And uh, a, a team that loses always is going to appear to not try as hard or not be in it as much. And we have to be careful when we do that, but you know, certainly it would be um, interesting to see, if there was a, you know, a reason why other teams did better than others, but here we are, at least we're past the bubble situation. Now it's a new set of circumstances. So you're going to play in rinks. You're going to fly around a little bit and it's going to be new challenges and and it's going to be up for people to handle them. So here we go. Starting in January. uh, It's, it's a 56 game season. So it's obviously it's a shortened season uh, and they've, they've done the temporary, um, re uh redivision they they've redid the division so there's four divisions uh, i love the fact that there's just a canada division <laughs> uh that is i that's just going to be fun and and i all the games are going to get played within the divisions right so uh it is going to be limited as to where they're traveling unless you're in canada then you're traveling literally all over a country uh, but uh what what are your thoughts on those those uh kind of division breakdowns how they redid that uh and you know do you think that favors anything or do you think do you look at anything and go you know that division's much easier now or much harder now or do you feel like it's pretty much the same yeah i i think certainly that east division looks like it's brutal i mean there's going to be yeah. teams that don't make the playoffs that obviously maybe the other way would have uh just the top 4 as you mentioned it, it guarantees a canadian team in a semifinal which is good for canada uh, <laughs> they'll be in the final 4 as you mentioned um so yeah i, I think certainly i look at that east of it just like wow it's going to be uh really difficult and it's going to be a sprint like you said but uh it, the hockey should be great it should be really good right away because like you said it's a, a bit of an urgency 26 fewer games um, it does slow down Alex Ovechkin's chase of Wayne Gretzky's record. I'm big on that. I'm on that one. Um, yeah. um, I broke that story 10 years ago, so that's mine. <laughs> Everyone must cite their sources when they talk about that possibility. I was on there, that Nobody first. else saw that coming. I was on nobody that first else. when he was 23. I, <laughs> I projected it when he was 23, so that was going to happen. So I'm, I'm banking my whole career on that. So, uh, yeah, I will, be, uh, I will be looking forward to that, and I still think he'll do it a little later than normal. Um, either you probably about a five, six month delay now. So, uh, but yeah, it's going to be really good. I think the hockey will be great. The guys are ready to go a little normalcy moving around, getting out of the bubble that had to be difficult. So hopefully the news will keep getting better. More and more people will be getting vaccinated. The news will get better. And, and who knows, maybe come Stanley cup final, maybe we'll have a full arena somewhere. You know, maybe at that point it'll be, uh, things will be so good that they'll be able to have a Stanley cup final with a sold out arena somewhere. So uh, that's, that's especially if it's, you know, maybe even if it's at a neutral site place, who knows, um, you know, do, do you, do you play in a full house in Florida or do you play in an empty house between, you know, two teams who reach the finals? That'll be interesting how the, uh, the league deals with that. So who do you have expectations for? You know, we just watched the lightning finally get over the hump again and win the Stanley cup. 
Uh, it was again crazy entertaining. Uh, Dallas Stars that that whole West division in the bubble was crazy. The top four teams were it just was weird looking that uh, those were the top four teams in the West. Uh, Dallas did really well. We obviously have a, a pretty big Columbus contingent here. A lot of Blue Jackets fans. We've had quite a few Blue Jackets uh, affiliated or players uh, on the podcast. But who do you have expectations of? Uh, what teams are you expecting big things out of? I think certainly, you know, the Colorado Avalanche are the team. I think a lot of people are looking at with Nathan McKinnon and uh, how they drafted and and um, how they've traded, and they've really seemed to have a team that's really close to a Stanley Cup. Uh, they're exciting to watch as well. Yes. I think they're kind of at the top of the list for a lot of people. Um, even, you know, obviously Connor McDavid, getting him into the postseason so they can have the best player in the postseason, much like baseball. We don't see Mike Trout in the most important games. We haven't yeah. seen Connor McDavid or, you know, Jack Eichel looking in that division. I can't imagine the Sabres making the top four in that division. Probably going to have to be another year until they can contend until we get back to normal. So, uh, you know, those are certainly some teams. You know, obviously the Rangers having the first pick, you know, probably another year away from a rebuild. But, they're, you know, you never know. Teams can come on fast. Uh, the Bruins losing Tory Krug. Do they have one more good run in them? Older team, but shorter season could help. So, uh, yeah, it, it's. I think all these questions will become – uh, more apparent as we go on, and uh, it's still a lot of que- still a lot of mystery, still a lot of uh, uncertainty, and um, you know the, the, that's what's great about any season. It kind of takes shape. The personality of a season can take shape pretty quickly. Again, probably 10, 15 games. Again, it's always important to get off to a good start in hockey because of three point games. But this year, like I said, especially um, you know after fifteen games, we're right down there at the. <clears throat> you know, right the nitty gritty already. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a sprint right off the get go. Who's going to be healthy, who tests positive, who doesn't, you know, because unlike the bubble, we're going to have obviously more positive tests probably and guys missing games yep. and uh, which in the regular season is not a big deal. You can work your way around that, but it's uh it's still a bit of a, you're still a little bit on edge trying to see how everything's going to play out. Will there be canceled games? Will there be a, a pause in the season. Like there's all kinds of stuff that you're kind of, unfortunately, I feel like you really can't let yourself go fully for the season that's coming up. Yeah. I imagine your life is just crazy all the time, but you've been through as an ESPN, as an anchor, uh, you've been through uh, a little bit of time now where it's just been football. It's just straight football, a little soccer here and there, yeah. uh, uh, but a little golf here and there, but yeah. really just football. Uh, how crazy is life getting now? It's the first night. Right now we're talking uh, first night of the NBA. Uh, you got the NHL coming up next month. How, how crazy is your life about to get? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like in August when, like you said, nothing was going on for a few months. Then all four sports were going at the same time, you know, August yeah. and September. So that was cool. Uh, but then, yeah, like you said, since everything stopped with baseball and basketball and hockey, you know, we did have a couple. We had a golf major, which was cool. That got us through a week. Um, like I said, I've done a couple college hockey games early December, so that was cool. Got me through that week. You know, college football, which really – it's football, but it really is so different than the NFL in so many ways, you know, culturally, oh, yeah. the, the traditions. It's really cool. So that helped. Yeah. But, yeah, the weeks get kind of barren, so it's good now to get everything start to get cranked up. It's The shows are more fun when you get a lot to talk about. And, yeah, so it, it, it's going to be good. And this, you know, this, and this goes, again, you know, into, Ju- into June and July – uh, for, you know, basketball and yeah. hockey, that's kind of cool. So we should have a short off season and then hopefully overall 2021 can be better in many ways and could be really good in sports, you know, as we get compressed, 
we uh, enjoy, and then hopefully we're back to normal in the fall. That's all we can hope for. So shifting over, because you talked about how college football is different than, than NFL football, college hockey, uh, obviously a passion of yours. Uh, uh, I was lucky enough to go to one of those Ohio schools where college hockey was a big deal was, was when I was at Bowling Green. Those were great yeah. times going to in the dumpy little arena there uh, in Bowling Green. Uh, but you've been up, you've like created this, this thing on Twitter just of college hockey and hats everywhere and sweatshirts. And I actually went on, uh, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll buy one of those hats. And <laughs> like everything sold out. Like most, it's like everybody wants it. Uh, so talk about just your uh, affiliation with college hockey. And then, uh, you know, it's not something that a lot of people see a lot. We don't get to see college hockey a whole heck of a lot um, through nobody's fault. It's just not one of those things like basketball or football. Um, uh, but what's what I always think is cool about hockey in college is a lot of the smaller schools, a lot of the kind of off the beaten path schools are really good hockey schools. Uh, so uh, where's, where are some of the coolest uh, uh, hockey arenas around the country uh, to, to call hockey games? Yeah, it's, it's a fun sport to cover. It's very intimate. Um, you know, the coaches don't make millions of dollars. They're really a bunch of normal people. Uh, yeah, it really, like you mentioned, St. Cloud State or, or Bemidji State it has kind of that cool it. little charm to it, that small town charm to it. Um, but, you know, the arenas are small, like where Cornell plays at Liner Rink. And even Michigan at Yost is a great place to call a game. That old field house feel. And, uh, yeah, very intimate. And uh, that's what I love about hockey at all levels. Youth hockey, one of my kids played, obviously covering yeah. NHL a lot when ESPN had the NHL. We lost the NHL. I slowly got into calling college hockey games with the NCAA regional and then cool. asked to do the Frozen Four. Uh, in 2013, which they let me do. And that's when, I, that's when I really amped up the coverage. I really wanted to kind of give college hockey never quite got its due. You'd watch games on TV and the play-by-play -play announcers would really only memorize three or four guys' names, not call anybody else's names. They didn't really invest in it. I really wanted, you know, I, I, my goal was to really let these, you know, have every parent watch. They're going to hear their kid's name at least once, um, hopefully multiple times. And then obviously when I was on Twitter, I started the, the college hockey rankings and I did that more for my own to do homework, to make sure I followed the season, to pay attention each weekend, to watch games when I could, to compare schedules, to understand the narrative of a season. So I really did it for myself to force myself to, uh, to do homework. And then uh, the, and that poll's really gotten good life. It's, 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 it's uh, got some pretty good traction, which is fun. I know the players and coaches appreciate it. You know, I'm like kind of like what Dick Vitale did for college basketball way back when in the early 80s. Yeah. I'm the guy, you know, I'm the national guy waving the pom-poms for the sport. Um, well, yeah. It won't be as lucrative for me as it has been for Dick Vitale. <laughs> like you said, it's a small sport, small, that's fine. It's small arenas, small budgets, small, you know, it's just a little slice of the pie. Um, you know, in this world nowadays with multimedia and, so many options as long as if you don't shrink you're you're fine it's hard to grow anything yeah. anymore you just got to kind of get a niche and hang on to it as best you can for dear life because <laughs> we're only adding more slices to the entertainment pizza every year so you just got to try to hold on so it, it's been a cool intimate game to, to cover and to be a part of and and uh, and then hopefully ESPN can get back in the NHL game maybe here for one final yeah. run for me and I can do both and that would that would be awesome 
Hey, listen, you could be as big as Dick Vitale uh, <laughs> in the college hockey. One day you too could be a season ticket holder to the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> <Great. laughs> uh, so between your college hockey and then obviously one of the other incredibly fun things you do online, the, the Bucci overtime challenge in the NHL, uh, which I have never gotten right ever. Uh, but I, I see that you have, you have uh, donated over 220000 uh, $220,000 to charity. Uh, and I just want to, I, I always like to give people a chance to talk about that a little bit, what charities that's going to uh, and, and, and how you're raising that money. Yeah. I just kind of start on a whim, you know, just to, I just retweeted people when they originally won. Um, I kind of just threw the game out there one night, just couldn't believe how popular it got right away. And I said, oh, maybe I'll make some t-shirts and I'll sell them, give them away to some winners Instead of just retweeting them, I'll get you know I'll pick winners and send them a T-shirt, and then I'll give people a chance to buy them, and then I'll just you know I'll give away to some hockey charities, you know, thinking that yeah, you know, I don't know if this either is going to work. Am I going to raise a few hundred dollars? Am I going to sell these T-shirts that I buy? So it just really it didn't didn't really just kind of grew like that, and all of a sudden it kind of took off, and um, just start making hats and all kinds of other products, and the, the game just went crazy. And then uh, all this money's coming in and it's like, geez, I wish I would have paid off my mortgage instead of uh, agreeing to give this money away. Um, so, yeah, so I just I just picked some charities that were either hockey oriented or started by a hockey guy or person. And, uh, you know, one year I bought RPI women's third jerseys. They wanted a third jersey, started to go yes. fund me. I just paid that. I paid for a kid's semester, a Xavier ones who played club hockey. It was fun. It's fun just picking different things and um, and just kind of you know and, and write some checks. It's fun and uh, yeah. So yeah. So you know, it's it, it's it's definitely the, the two brands are fun to do and it's it's and uh, you know we'll see if, if I want to even try to grow it and do something else with podcasts and create some sort of hockey network or hockey hockey uh, community be an app or something and really bring everything together as, as a fun thing to do. I've been throwing that around in my head a little bit. Do I want to try to do something like that? So yeah, it's been fulfilling and fun and a great way to connect with the fan. Well, Hey, if you ever do that with the podcast, we're always happy to talk to you, John. We, <laughs> we love talking hockey. Uh, we we're it's so weird. It, it just feels like, again, like I said, it feels like the bubble ended and we're, and you don't get the thing about these short off seasons, whether it was basketball or hockey or whatever, you, you don't feel like you have the news of the longer off seasons and, and the, the number of, tra- I don't feel like there's anywhere near the normal number of transactions that went down. And yeah. uh, it just is very weird, but it's, it, but it's happening. We got hockey coming. Uh, and, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm so excited. It seems like you're excited. Uh, and uh, I'll be still on your Twitter page trying to win the overtime challenge. Uh, <laughs> and never getting it right ever. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, you know, and I, I'm excited too. I really am. Like you said, it, it was hard to keep track of who's on, who's actually playing for who I missed that signing. I missed that trade. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, we'll get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, you know, watching all the great coverage uh, on TV and, uh, and so, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun again to read about it and watch about it and, uh, and getting that mind, that mode and that mindset again, it's still weird. We're all a little bit off kilter, trying to figure life out, but yeah, you know, just do the best we can figure it out and enjoy the games. Speaking one last thing, speaking of weird. And again, I know this is not an affiliation with your network, uh, but how weird is it going to be not hearing Mike Emmerich yeah. call hockey games? Yeah. Just, I'm what a legend. And, uh, 
some good stuff. I know Dan Lebitar did a really good podcast with him, his South Beach sessions, which if anybody hasn't heard that, just, you know, wherever you get your podcast, just search South Beach sessions. And Mike Emmerich did one, which was very good. Um, so, yes. yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, they have, they have great announcers. John Forslund, you know, obviously will get more run. Good for him. Really good announcer. Great set of pipes. Really sneaky funny. So I, I, I'll enjoy listening to him. But, yeah, it was a good run. I thought, Eric would, I thought he'd do one more year with NBC having, you know, the, the contract one more year exclusively. This is the last year NBC has it exclusively. I think when the next deal is announced, probably in February or March, I assume they'll announce the next deal because it starts next year. And I, you know, they anticipate multiple partners. And so I thought maybe he would do one more year, but maybe he's thinking about it. He would probably have to do it again from home in his office um, because of his age. And I know he didn't like, yeah. doing, I know he didn't like doing that and I made it tough. So yeah, an absolute legend. And um, I'm sure we'll still see him with essays and, and, you know, MC and great events on television, but uh, yeah, an, abs- <laughs> an absolute jewel. Well, we got one here too. John Buchigross, listen, we're going to let you go. We know you're at work. We really appreciate your time joining us here on the Garage Beers Podcast. If you want to get in on the action on the college hockey or the overtime challenge as the season goes on, go follow his Twitter at Buchigross, just his last name, uh, which you probably already know at this point. Uh, but John, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it and have a have a great holiday. OH. I all right, thanks again to ESPN's John Bucci-Gross. Again, go find him online at Bucci-Gross. Participate in his games, the Bucci Overtime Challenge. Talk to him about some college hockey uh, and so much more. He was awesome to have on the show. Hope you enjoyed listening to him, and hopefully one day we get to talk to him again as he uh, goes around the country doing some college games and also just coming to you on your TV on SportsCenter uh, talking about all the sports. So, again, thank you to John Bucci-Gross. Uh, that, that was awesome, guys. That was uh Uh, an awesome opportunity to talk to him. He was sitting there at work. (laughs) So again, thank you to him for taking some time out of his work day as well. So we're going to get off the hockey topic for a minute. Uh, A lot of interesting things going on. We got about a month before that starts back up, but it's time for us to get into just one of the best things of our entire lives. We're going to play some fun games with this too, Joe, you're going to have fun with this. Uh, But this last weekend on Sunday night football, the Cleveland Browns defeat the New York Giants 20-6, to uh, and that score was closer than the game ever felt. Uh, the Browns dominate the Giants, and they are 10-4. and four. Guys, like, what do we do with ourselves right now? What is happening? I can't even feel my arms. <laughs> I can't even feel my arms. Joe, I, you, you just – you look about the same. You look about the same. Yeah, I've just been kind of walking around pantsless and shirtless <laughs> for the past couple of days because I can't pull my <laughs> pants up. Well, thanks for putting on clothes for tonight, huh? I had well, at least well, at least a shirt. That's all we can see. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's it's. Uh, listen, let's play a game. Before we get into breaking down the Giants game, getting into the Jets game, all the scenarios that are laying in front of the Browns. Let's play a little game. I made some notes here. I God, took I'm some scared. notes. I'm scared. Let's play a game about the last. I'm gonna give you some facts, guys. Oh God. The last okay. time the Browns were 10 and four. <laughs> Jesus. December 10th, 1994. <laughs> that Saturday, it was a Saturday game. Wow. In Dallas, Bill Belichick led the Browns to a 19 to 14 victory over Barry Switzer's <laughs> Cowboys. Michael Jackson scored on a two yard pass from Vinny Testaverde. Michael Jackson. 
and Matt Stover kicked four field goals in the win. Whoa. Defensively, the Browns were led by interceptions from Eric Turner and Don Griffin of Troy Aikman. Eric Turner? 1994 was the last time Browns fans got to feel the way that we feel right now. Eric Turner. So let's talk about... Let's talk about things that happened in 94. Unf- let's, see, let's, let's, let's send us back. Unfortunately, Mike and I are old enough to remember 94. <laughs> I sure as hell do. I've learned to talk yeah. since then. <laughs> yeah. 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 What a day. I was, I was uh, one year and a couple days uh, during that game. Yeah. Yeah, Joe was one year old. The I was last 12. time the Browns were 10 and 4. I was 12. I was 12. I was nine. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was nine years old. So what kind of things were going on? What kind of things were going on in 94? Well, uh, Florida beat Alabama in the third the third SEC championship game. No, the third ever. Oh, okay. The third ever. Uh, there were the Billboard Music Awards. You know who cleaned up the Billboard Music Awards in 94? Oh, Ace of God. Base and Mariah oh, Carey. Yeah. I was about to say. Oh, man. The the fake DJ voice that that I've done to Ace of Base is, is oh, oh my god like you know how you know how last week I did we got stacks and stacks of hot wax for you you know like, <laughs> yeah. that. like I, yeah. I, I I went to this wedding it's the one I mentioned in the Al Snow interview down in Wapakoneta this guy was playing just like weird like obscure hits from like the eighties and nineties and one of them was Ace of Base but like he would introduce them and hit the post like a DJ. So I, yeah. So I was like, I'm not, I don't know. So I just made fun of him. So I was like, who saw the sign? Ace of base did. Here they are at Josh and Aaron's wedding. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm winning DJ radio. I'd love you to do that more here. <laughs> All right, fine. I will. Dingo in the baby. <laughs> uh, uh, who won the Heisman that year in 1994? Why oh. it was none other than Rashan Salam. Oh, my God. Oh, Heisman wow. winner. I have what his else autograph. was going on back then? I have his autograph. Well, um, one of America's sweethearts got her leg just bashed in. Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, no. Tanya Harding and Jeff Galuli. Great name, Jeff Galuli. Why? Hated dude to bash in Nancy Kerrigan's leg. Why? The last, yes, great, great impression. The last time the Browns were 10 and four was the year that Nelson Mandela was elected president of South Africa. What? The last time the Browns were 10 and four, the Gulf War had started just then. Oh my God. We all, the last time the Browns were 10 and four, the last time the Browns were 10 and four, OJ Simpson was riding in a Bronco. (gasps) Yes, that was 94. How about your sports? How about your sports champions? The Cowboys actually won the Super Bowl in 94. The Houston Rockets won the NBA title. Hey, do you guys remember who won the World Series in 94? Nobody. The Braves. Nobody. Braves. Oh, nobody. Nobody. Yeah. The baseball strike happened. Oh, This come one on, is Joe. my favorite. You just learned to talk, but you knew who that the, the baseball team <laughs> had a World Series champion. <laughs> this one's my favorite. I'll give you a buck if you can if you can answer this one. Who won the NCAA basketball championship in 1994? Duke, Duke, Duke. They were in it, but they lost. Kentucky. Oh. Uh, Villanova. Syracuse. The Arkansas Razorbacks. Whoa! Oh, with uh, Corliss Williamson. Yes. 
Wow. The New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup. Okay, Messier. Nebraska won the football title, 13-0 that year. Jesus. How about this? Schindler's List came out that year, and Tom Hanks won the Oscar for Forrest Gump. No shit. Who won the Stanley Cup? What's that? The Rangers. Oh, Rangers, sorry. Yeah. That was Mike Richter. Yeah, oh, yeah, that team was awesome. Yeah, Mark Messier. Yeah. Uh, And lastly... Uh, last time the Browns had the record they have now in 2020 was the debut of the hit TV show Friends. Ah, that's how long this shit has been. That's how long it's been. How adorbs is that? By the way, sidebar, sidebar real quick. Have you guys like watched any of OJ's Twitter videos? Like, I like how he just, I like how he just introduces himself. Like nobody knows who the hell this murderer is. I know, I know. Like he's just like, hey, Twitter world, it's yours truly. (laughs) (laughs) I love, <laughs> I love his sign on. Yeah. Hey, Twitter world. It's yours, yours truly. It's yours truly. Uh, I drafted <laughs> Patrick Mahomes in the second round, and uh, you are also killing me, Andrew Luck, for retiring. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> and then he just ends, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, like nobody knows. Like, I, like, this is a guy that wrote a book that said, I didn't kill her, but if I did, if I did. this is how I would do it. But hey, Twitter world, it's yours, it's yours truly. Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. I lost my fantasy football championship right. last week, and I got so angry, I grabbed a knife out of my... I mean... Yeah. You know, this is what this is what getting away with murder gets you, is you get to play golf for the rest of your life after you get out of jail. Oh, God. His videos are crazy. All right, so let's go back. Joe, we kind of know where you were in 1994. Yeah. Your sister informed me that you were probably in a cast at that point. Yes, half body cast to be exact. What? <laughs> I was born with uh, hip dysplasia, so my hips weren't connected. Oh, so okay. All right. I was in a half body cast for uh, quite some time. And definitely during this period, I was in it. How long were you in it? Uh, a year, maybe. Oh, okay. Somewhere around there. So you don't, so you don't really remember it? Or do you remember oh, no. any, like, having it on? Okay. None of it. Yeah, Only it'd pictures. Be way cooler. Speaking of speaking of timely movies here, it'd be way cooler if you wore the half body cast until you were like ten, and then like Forrest Gump <laughs> ran out of it, just broke out of your half body cast. Yeah, he just kept, a bunch of hillbillies were chasing you in a truck. Like just, there yeah. you go. He just keeps practicing tee shots, and eventually it just breaks. <laughs> it just breaks. Like oh my god! All right, Chad, where were you in 1994? Yo, mama sure does care about your golf lesson, son. Oh, no. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Sorry. uh, Okay. Man, uh, 1994, let's see. I was dominating eighth-grade football. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I think, wait, no, 94? No, 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 no. Never mind. Check that. I was in seventh grade. I was uh, a dominant guard in seventh-grade football. Um, you know, I, I switched to fullback running back in eighth grade, but yeah, I was a dominant seventh grade football player on the offensive line, all conference, no big deal. Um, uh, let, that's, that's, that's where I was. That's pretty much where I was. And I, you know, uh, we would get together uh, every week in, in someone's garage. If we weren't going to the, the Browns games for garage beers, hence the name of the show. So, uh, Boom. yeah, there we go. So that's, that's, Kind of where I was at. I was just this little dorky kid with a bowl cut and glasses who uh, 
whose nickname was Millhouse from from The Simpsons. Everybody called me Millhouse because I just had this huge head and glasses. That's it. Did you say you were drinking beer at 12? <laughs> I, I wasn't drinking beer. I wasn't okay. drinking beer. I, although, I I did like, have, although, although I did have my first sips of beer when I was like five or six, my uncle would give me sips of his old Milwaukee. <laughs> Dude, I was, imagine just a couple 12 year olds after a hard day of uh, two days and you're just slugging beers in someone's listen, garage. Listen, you gotta, you gotta get, oh man, this, that Timmy was really tough today in practice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a rough day, dad. 1994. I was in fourth grade uh-huh. at St. Christopher's school in Rocky river. And I don't really remember anything about where I, I that had to have been my nine years old that had to have been my prime like so when i was young i was just rail skinny like rail thin skinny my sister always makes fun of me for it to this day because i used to buy like i used to like wearing like spandex shorts but they fit me like athletic shorts <laughs> <laughs> so, my, so my sister still makes fun of me to this day because she's like every time i look at you all i see is that scrawny little kid with like purple spandex shorts on that was so loose they looked like athletic shorts and then you found stout beer yeah and and then i found stout beer and filled right out yeah somewhere in the fifth grade there see y'all go. y'all need to get injured more when you're kids because then you can use that as milestones to remember different parts of your childhood <laughs> I, I fun have a, fact about Joe. Yeah. Fun fact about Joe. He hurt himself so much as a kid that his parents had to talk to like fa- child and family protective services. Correct. Seriously? Yeah. And it's all like, my own doing, but like I, I would just be in the ER a lot and uh, it got to the point where like they had to talk to them. <laughs> what? Did, like, yeah, my oh. wife is still traumatized by it. Cause they actually like, I guess they asked Katie questions. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So what? So what? You would have to go to the hospital so much that the hospital yeah, was finally like, like, "Listen, I, we gotta." There's like, there's like, a two year period where I'd cracked my head open, uh, and had to get like twenty five stitches in it, and some like work on my skull ton, and then uh, my sister actually smashed my thumb in the door, and it looks kind of weird to this day. And Is then I, uh, game seven of the ninety seven World Series. Uh, I, my dad was laying on the ground, on the ground, drinking a beer and I decided to jump over him. I broke my arm in two places. And I think that was the one where it was like, uh, they're probably have to talk to the. Talk about the worst night ever. The Indians (laughs) blow game seven of the world series and you break your arm during it. Well, at least you didn't have to watch it. Listen, forget, forget where we were in 1994. Joe, where are your adoptive parents today? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah my my real ones had shipped me off as soon as i broke that arm they're like all right we can't do this anymore like, we, we need a break from you just a couple years till you get right <laughs> i always thought my nose looked a little different you. oh yeah. my god oh it's awesome so yeah listen that's the kind of stuff that was going down the last time the browns sat where they sit now guys it's crazy it's yeah. crazy yeah here we are after let's talk about this game Sunday night. Okay. Uh, the Browns, beat the giants, Colt McCoy, Wayne Gallman, Freddie kitchens and company. God, how are you? The how, Browns how, beat the giants 20 to six. Uh, and, and they made all the plays they needed to make right offensively, offensively guys. That was amazing. Like that, what Baker Mayfield did Sunday night in an effortless performance mm-hmm. was I don't care if it's the Giants. Like, we got to stop. 
Everybody's got to stop talking about who their opponents are. First of all, the Giants are a playoff-level defense for real. Yep. But secondly, look what happens to the Steelers against the Bengals last night. Mm-hmm. Look what happened to the Rams against the Jets this weekend. I don't right. care if you're playing the Giants or the Chiefs. You're playing NFL talent. Right. And the, how, the way that Baker Mayfield made everything look so easy Sunday was incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's and, crazy. And, and, and they were going to uh, I said before um, the game this week, I was like, this has to be a game that they have to like win, win, like big score. Uh, they had to shut them out on defense. And I think if the game went longer than 30 minutes, I think it would have been more of like <laughs> yeah. a 42 to six. But that, <laughs> it was, is that not the fastest game that I've Dude. ever seen? It was so fast. It was like an hour and it was halftime. It was like 8.20, the game started, and it was like 8.56. Halftime, let's go. <laughs> what? Am, uh, I on, am I on a delay, guys? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. I think, I no, you're know. good. I might be. Just making sure. And, yeah, but they needed they needed Baker Mayfield in this game because they needed him to come out strong and come out slinging it, and that's exactly what he did because, you know, we mentioned it before on the recap and on last week's episode, Mike. This is a Giants defense that was giving up under four yards of carry in the running game, so they were going to need Baker to, 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 to open up the running game, and that's exactly what he did, man. He was, he was dealing. He was 17 of 19 in the first half, guys. He was yeah. dealing, and, you know, and eventually, you know, again, it wasn't an incredible game. From 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 Chubb and Hunt, and that's and that's all the credit from that goes to that Giants run defense. But the star of this game was Baker Mayfield. If Baker wasn't slinging it, I think I might have fallen asleep because this was a boring ass game. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It, it, you don't take anything away from Chubb or Hunt in this game because the hot hand was Baker Mayfield. Yeah, ride the hot hand. Right. Like there was no, there was no, like I feel like the Browns. Let's say Baker was just playing pretty well, mm-hmm. but he wasn't doing like this lights out right i feel like the browns would have rode chubb and hunt a little more and this is that kind of offense that they did it against the eagles baker wasn't throwing the ball great against the eagles and in the first half there was no run game going against the eagles they were finding they were having trouble running the ball everywhere yeah but this is the kind of offense that they just stick with it and they'll eventually like i would have been very confident that eventually nick chubb was going to break a run or kareem hunt was going to break a run yeah but having said that Having said that, when Baker's doing what he's doing, when he's two incompletions in the first half, five in the game, five incompletions in the game, mm-hmm. you don't need to. Just yeah. ride Baker. Just I still, I still saw people on Twitter. Why aren't we running the ball? Uh, because what are you watching? What are you because watching? You, because you were attacking the weakness of the Giants' defense, and their weakness yeah. was their pass defense. Okay. Yeah, that's what you did. I mean, and you saw it sort of get going at the end of the game there. I mean, Dearness Johnson is one hell of a closer, huh? Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, you saw the run game get going a little bit at the end of the game there, but they didn't They didn't need it. They did not need it at all. And, and, and Baker Mayfield just had another game where he, he's – He's proving that he's growing. He's maturing. He can. He's starting to. I mean, the last three weeks, he's read defenses uh, to a T. Yeah, I mean, he's read them perfectly. So, uh, guys, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'm listen excited. to some of this stuff about Baker, because again, this game, 297 yards, 27 of 32, two touchdowns. He was. It, it was an impeccable performance. But let's talk about. Let's talk about where Baker Mayfield actually is. Mm-hmm. This season. 
And again, some of these are just cherry picked, but but this shows growth. People talked, there was a lot of talk when Baker was slow that, oh, he has trouble getting off his first read and blah. He's a one read quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Baker Mayfield has the third highest quarterback rating in the league this year. And he's forced to come off his first read. The third highest quarterback rating in the league. Uh Uh, He is the third best quarterback in the NFL all season on play action. He is the fifth best quarterback in the NFL total quarterback rating all season. Number five. Yeah. He is the highest graded fourth quarter quarterback all season. Mm-hmm. He is number one quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And, and he is a top five deep ball passer this season. Yeah. He's hitting on deep passes with elite company. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield this season. Again, some of that's cherry picked. And, and yeah, he's had a couple tough games here and there. But well, guys, I, I, the I, one I'm he is putting that. together. Go Sorry, ahead. I just had a question. What but but about that deep ball? Like what is what is that like 25 yards or more? Because it's 20 or more. I gotta say, I can't really think of a game where he's really like flung it like you know, like 40, 50, 60 yards down the field, you know, and where he hasn't really thrown many bombs. There isn't a lot of that, but Baker hits if you again, you might they might look like intermediate passes, but he hits a lot of 23, 25 yard passes. No, I know. I know. I just, I was just curious the yardage, what that's considered, yeah. uh, you know, long range. Okay. All right. Moving on. He's great. He's, so I mean, he's, hey, listen, he's got, guy. he's got areas to work on. He, he can improve on just being a pocket passing quarterback, Sure. but at the same time, his strength is getting out, rolling out, improvising, making plays. And he has been incredible this year. It, it is not far-fetched to call Baker one of the, top quarterbacks in the league this year. It's not. I mean, listen, he. No. when you look at him uh, as far as how efficient he is and how effective he is, he is up there with all of the best quarterbacks. Sure. And, Am and I Drew, saying he's better than Patrick Mahomes? No, I'm not saying that. No. But Baker's playing elite. What'd you oh, say? Yeah. Better credit, than Lamar. Credit, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And credit goes, credit go, credit goes to that offensive line uh, uh, this year, too, guys. Last year, I, I don't know if it was scheme because it was uh, damn near the same offensive line minus Jedrick Wills. Uh, of course, Greg Robinson is who's in jail now. Um, but uh, uh, last year, that six thousand pounds of weed. That offensive line uh, gave up. Baker Mayfield was sacked forty times. You know, he he never had a chance to get comfortable this year. Oh, last year, this year, this this offensive line has cut that in half. He's only been sacked nineteen times, fellas. So Baker Mayfield is. Being afforded the time to sit to sit there and, and get more comfortable in a pocket and go through his progression. So yeah, I mean, these last four weeks especially. I mean, who knows what would have happened in those in those three home games that were bad weather games? But he was still playing smart. He was still making smart decisions in those games. It was just it just it wasn't conducive to throwing the rock. But these last four games, guys, he, he the the leaps and bounds that he has made. Uh, from the last year and a half to these last four weeks has just been incredible. Uh, yeah, and, and it goes to show you, and it shows in the numbers, like you just said, Mike. So it's, it's yeah, I, I don't know. I can't you wait. Know it I helps can't wait with, for Sunday. You know, it helps with the offensive line and not just talent acquisition, but also Bill Callahan, who I think every nationally televised game there is like a segment on Bill Callahan and how he is the best offensive line coach in the game. Uh, and it just shows uh, in their play this season. I mean, it is just infinitely better than we've seen 
don't know. Since ever 1994. <laughs> I don't know how the offensive line yeah. was back then. Listen, uh, yeah. name me. Uh, uh, I can't remember who it was in the stats killing me. And I was just trying to look it up and I can't remember who it was. If you know it, maybe it was Brian Sype. I don't know. But Bernie Kosar's or Bernie Kosar, Jesus. Uh, Baker Mayfield is the first Browns quarterback in a long, long, long time. He's thrown for 3,000 yards in each of his first three seasons in the league. Like, there it is. I think we, I mean, there it is. I think, I think we need to get off. I, I think we can all just sit back and relax and understand that just like Russell Wilson and just like Patrick Mahomes and just like Lamar Jackson and just like Aaron Rodgers, Baker's going to have some bad games. They all do. They all have off games. But I, I, I can't imagine anybody talking right now that Baker Mayfield isn't the franchise quarterback. Well, you can't. Uh, but uh, and that's the thing is 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 all the Baker haters from before are you know uh, again we've also we've talked about it before. All the Baker haters from before are are kind of still. I mean, well, at least up until these last four weeks, I haven't really seen anything. Obviously, he's gonna he's shutting them up these last four weeks. But up until then, they were just gonna hang on every throw this year just because of how bad of a year he had. And they and they're still a little, a little hesitant to give him credit. And and I I I don't get it. Anybody who is smart at football uh, can can see the progression that he's making. But if you don't, if I mean, if you still don't like him, I don't know what to tell you at this point because uh, you, all you have to do is watch the games and just see the elite level that he's playing at. Yeah, it, it's awesome. It's fun to watch uh, uh, between Baker looking like that and then the other thing in the game, listen, uh, the defense – was it was very bend but don't break exactly like we said the defense was going to have to be at the beginning of the season we knew they were going to be a bend but don't break defense because your linebackers are slow you benched mac wilson mac wilson was benched this week because he was so bad last week so he was a healthy scratch he was a healthy scratch this week you got jacob phillips out there you got bj goodson taki taki they're not great it's a bend but don't break defense but you know what when the defense needed to step up and make a couple of plays on fourth downs inside the red zone, they did it. And they turned over the Giants and they gave up six points. And and that's listen, here's the thing. Watching that game, that's not an easy, that was not an easy uh defensive assignment between the 20s. Because those play calls for Colt McCoy were just quick reads, get the ball out of his hands and go. There was no chance to get pressure on him. There was no chance to make him uncomfortable because he held the ball at most like a second and a half and then got rid of it. Uh, I don't, Chad, you look like you're disagreeing. Did you see something different? I'm going to kind of disagree with you there. I agree that it's very hard to get pressure, but there was a lot of times that defense was really good on first and second down and and they would have, and they would have the giants in a lot of third and long situations at that point. Like even a decent defense is going to get off the field on third down and long in in a lot of those situations. So I I, kind of disagree with you there in that aspect, but I do agree. It is very hard to get pressure on three step drops and go. Uh, but uh, Mike, are you still there? I'm here. I'm listening oh, to you. Oh, okay. I see you frozen. <laughs> you're oh, fro- sorry. You're frozen my phone. So I just didn't know, but um, yeah, I, like I say, I disagree with you in that aspect is because they did, they had them on a lot of third and long situations where they couldn't get off the field. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's yeah. So I'm 50, 50 with you there. 
All right, we'll be 50-50. That's fine. Uh, uh, so anyways, the Browns beat the Giants. They moved to 10-4. and four. And if I'm going to gripe about anything, it's that we can never just – things just can't – we can't – we just can't have nice things. No. We just, no, we sure can't. Of course this year. Any other year. Any other year. If you are in week 15 and you're at 10 wins, you've, you're, you've clinched a playoff spot. Like, well, except, except for 2007. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Nine out of 10, 9.8 out of 10 other years, you get to week 15 <laughs> with 10 wins, and you're clinching a playoff spot. Yeah. And here we are in 2020. So uh-huh. you bring up 20, 2007, the yeah. Jim Sorge year. We've brought it up on this podcast too many times. Right. Browns beat the 49ers in the last week of the season for their 10th win, and all they need is the Colts to beat the Jaguars, and the Colts trot out. Jim Sorgi instead of Peyton Manning because they already locked up the number one seed and they get beat by the Jaguars and the Browns fall out of the playoffs with 10 yeah. wins. Yeah, that was the year. So here the, we are this the, year. That was the year the Colts decided not to go 16 and 0. Yeah, right. So here's the scenario this year. Here's here's what things look like. Right now, the Browns with two games left, 10 and 4. If they win this week. Here's the conundrum that we're all in. If they win this week and the Colts beat the Steelers and the Dolphins win and the Ravens win, then the game against the Steelers in week 17 is for the division. Yeah. But if those other teams win in week 17, it's also for the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. So week 17, if the Colts win and all the other teams win – Week 17, if the Browns were to lose to the Steelers, not only would they not win the division, they wouldn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if the the Browns win this week and any of those teams lose, the Browns clinch a playoff spot. Right. So it's a bit of a conundrum, right? Because how great would it be to have that week 17 against the Pittsburgh Steelers for the division? Yeah. At the same time, I think I'd rather have the playoff spot locked up. (laughs) Well, I, I mean, it, that's something you just can't worry about. I mean, the Browns are just going to have to take care of business. You can't, you can't, you can't worry about it now. Uh, I, I, I mean, the, the Browns are, you know, if they if they win, if they beat the Jets, you know, great. Just just take care of business. Beat the Jets. Beat this. Beat a beat a struggling Steelers. Struggling. Team. Struggling <laughs> Steelers. Deep, uh, Easy, team Joe Namath. In, in, in week seventeen and. Yeah, I, I, and then I don't know. Let the chips fall where they may. You know, I don't you gotta, know why the Jets are struggling. Struggle. I want. I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you, <laughs> Steve. <Cohen. laughs> yeah, the, it, it's it's. I think the best case scenario. Here's what I'm hoping for. Obviously, the Browns win. Uh, we're hoping for that. But I feel like, uh, if anything, last weekend was a good reminder to these Browns that are in unfamiliar territory that. I don't care if the Jets are zero wins or 10 wins. They are an NFL team. you got to go out and beat them. If you're, if you're not yeah. careful, they will come out and get you. Yeah. So the Browns got to play well, beat the Jets. Mm-hmm. I think best case scenario would be for Indy to beat Pittsburgh, but then mm-hmm. for like Miami to lose. Yeah. I think Miami's playing Las Vegas. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, Browns, the Browns lock up a playoff spot, but they still get Pittsburgh week 17 for the division. That's great. That's great. Let's do it. Go Raiders. Think of how much fun that would be. Go Think Raiders. of how fun. They also the Dolphins play be. the Bills in Week 17. So, that's, well, hopefully, and, and hopefully the Bills aren't resting any starters that way. I mean, they might 
I could see them doing that since they've already locked up the division and basically they're seeding. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I just, I, I want it to work out so that we don't have to worry about the playoffs in week 17, but that we get a crack at the, how fun would it be to go up against a Steelers team that started the season 11 and O I know. And then have a chance to win the division. I know. Oh God. Send, send, send. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger the last like six weeks or whatever has looked like he's ready for the glue factory. <laughs> it's just, he's finally just washed up. And I don't think Tomlin's going to go. I mean, who are you going to go? You're going to go to Mason Rudolph. He's not better. Oh, please, please, God, please do it. Please not, against the Browns. Please better. go to Mason Rudolph. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's going to be a real interesting last two weeks, man. Yeah. So Browns, Jets coming up this week, one o'clock Sunday. Uh, the Jets coming off their first win of the season against the Rams, a good Rams team. And the Jets just went out and got them. They played well defensively. Yeah. Uh, and And Sam Darnold looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and remember, uh, it's the Jets. They're not a great football team, but Sam Donald was a top draft pick. And again, I, I'm always somebody that, that says it, it, sometimes it takes some people more time than others. And I'm not saying Sam Donald's going to be good. He hasn't shown any signs of that. However, he still is talented. He's got some skills. Yeah. Browns have to play well against the Jets in New York again. Uh, but Here's the fun thing for us on the podcast. Uh, again, we've talked about it. We actually had Cameron Justice on at the halfway point to discuss uh, our preseason predictions. We all chose, four of us, chose the Browns to finish 11-5 and five on the season. They've got a chance to get to 11-4 and four, uh, this upcoming Sunday. Do you guys see any – are you nervous at all about the game? Or do you see any anything, any signs that show you that uh, maybe you've got some reservations about this? No oh, man. Uh, yes. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I still think the Browns are going to win, but there's some things that I'm concerned about. I mean, you just went out and you beat the number one defense in the league in, in the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, another, uh, another thing that I'm concerned about is, uh, you know, th- these jets, this jets team is going to come in riding high off of that win. The, the, the fact that they, uh, got their first win against a team like that, and they basically avoided being the what I think it was the fourth team in history it, it, to start Owen uh, to to go zero sixteen. I think it was the fourth. Uh, so there's they're 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 building some confidence. The one of the 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 biggest matchup that I'm going to be looking at is you know uh, the in their game this past Sunday the big time Jets left tackle. Uh, Makai Becton, who goes like seven foot 14 and like 455 pounds, <laughs> like the most athletic, like giant <laughs> ever in the world, dominated Aaron Donald. Like that's not something that's not something that happens like that, that just doesn't happen. He no. dominated Aaron Donald. And that's who Miles is, is going to be going up against. And Miles is still feeling the effects of COVID. So that's that's something that is I, I think is definitely uh, to pay attention to. But. I still think the Browns win this game. There's just a couple of things. But like you said, Mike, the Browns are going to have to play well. It's not they, – they, they can't find themselves looking ahead to Pittsburgh next week. They have to take care of business this week. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be, I, I think, a motivated Jets team that, you know, if you're the Browns, you got to jump on them early. I think the Browns are probably the most focused out of anyone in the NFL right now. Like, I, I think this is going to be, again, another easy win. 
I think, but it's not going to be because they're taking the game lightly. I think they're going to be playing this game as hard as they played any other game this season. I guess the only like minor concern is that like I'm looking at the Jets schedule this year. They've had like probably 50% of their games have been one score games, maybe a little mm-hmm. less than that. Decent amount yeah. of them, one or two score games. Like they haven't been. There's also games they've lost 24 to nothing. So it's like, <laughs> you know, there's there's not, there's a little fight in them. I, you know, end of the season, they're probably playing spoilers, so they're going to be playing us pretty hard. But I just think the Browns are too focused right now to let the Jets beat them. I think you make a, such a good point. And, I, and again, I think it's why. As a tradition. Right. I, I, shut up. I think... <laughs> Uh, I think right now it's 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 why this man is the betting favorite in Las Vegas to be the NFL coach of the year. Me, uh, Kevin oh, Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski has uh, a level of focus. It, it just feels like every week that guy's T's are, are crossed and his eyes are dotted, right? And sure. it's been so long since we've had anybody like that. It's been so long since we don't. There's nothing to complain about with the coach. Uh, unless you're an idiot, unless you're an idiot and you're like, why aren't the Browns running the ball while Baker Mayfield's throwing no incomplete passes and just torching a defense? What are you, some sort of idiot? <laughs> there's no- <laughs> Get a Brian Moran. Uh, there's, there's nothing to worry about with this coach. Uh, just the beautiful, like he, we did it last week again. You score a touchdown right before the half when you're getting the ball back. Like that doesn't happen for the Browns and it happens for us this year. It just... I'm not worried about the Browns focus. I'm not worried about the Browns being too big for their britches because I think the man in charge has them like Joe said. And I think you're absolutely right. I think he's got them laser focused and I think they're going to treat the jets like they were playing the chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I totally agree. Uh, I mean, I just, and I'm confident in that too, but like if the Browns are going to lose this game, it's going to be because of that, like of those, of those players not being focused. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that's the only way they lose this game. Uh, but yeah, I, just, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Sorry. All right. Well, we got the uh, one win jets hosting the 10 and four Cleveland Browns Sunday, one o'clock uh, Browns uh, with a win and with, any of those three teams losing the Ravens, uh, the Colts, or who am I missing? The Dolphins. Uh, any of those three teams lose, the Browns will, with a win, clinch a playoff spot. And we're going to be talking about football beyond week 17, uh, which is just going to be so fun. But we're going to move on tonight. We got a couple more quick things to talk about. Other big news that happened since our last podcast college football wrapped up its regular season, it was conference championship weekend. Some really good games, including the Big Ten championship game where the Ohio State Buckeyes had a uh, sweaty palms type of a game against a really, really good defensive Northwestern team that came to play, boys. Like, that game was – it was a really good game. You can say that Ohio State wasn't playing well, but a lot of that credit has to go – to uh, the Northwestern Wildcats and, and how well-prepared they were. Uh, there, There's a reason that their defense is ranked as high as it is in the country, and they showed it. And Ohio State, through the amazing – first of all, through Ryan Day being willing to switch up how they're calling plays mm-hmm. and realizing that the pass was not working and Justin yeah. Fields was not on. Yeah. 
turns to Trey Sermon, who proceeds to run for an Ohio State record mm-hmm. 325 yards yeah. in the game to single-handedly, along with the offensive line, win the football game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. What a game yeah. that was. Yeah, 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 what a game. I mean, the previous record set by Eddie George back in 94 against Illinois. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, it's it's it goes to show you, I mean, Ohio State hasn't, God, I, I don't think they've won a game like this since the first playoff against Alabama uh, back in 2000. No, actually not even. I can't, I, I can't remember uh, an Ohio State game with as dominant uh, of a running game as this was. They're always pretty well balanced. And, and, yeah, it was an upstart Northwestern team who had a really good defense. Pat Fitzgerald always has his teams ready to play. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ohio State was – they came out a little shaky uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, in the first half, but then they, they figured out, they adjusted uh, the defense, ba- the defense shut Northwestern out in, in the second half, got three turnovers on almost like three of four drives. And, and Trey Sermon just took over from there guys. I mean, God, some of the runs he had, you would have thought he was tackled after six, seven yard gains, but he turned them into, you know, 15, 20, he was just ripping off chunks. And yeah, uh, yeah it, what a game by him. And uh, luck, fortunately for Ohio state, that resulted in a college football playoff appearance. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because that's not without uh, some question marks. And and again, I'm going to homer this for a minute because <laughs> I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised at the same time. So college football playoff then gets announced. There were other good games. The, uh, the SEC championship game was phenomenal. Florida played mm-hmm. a hell of a ball game against Alabama. Uh, Notre Dame rolled over and died like a dog on the field against uh, Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. <laughs> Uh, but the, the rankings come out and the top three are exactly like you would have expected the top three, uh, Alabama one Clemson two, Ohio state three. Uh, you've got people all around the country bitching about Ohio state, uh, getting in because they only played the six games, but you know what you people have eyes. You're, you're only doing that because you're trying to look for a reason Ohio state shouldn't be in. But if you watched Ohio state this year, they are clearly one of the three best teams in the country. Clearly. And I just, I the the schedule argument is the weakest, most irrelevant argument in, in, in my eyes in in college football. I hate the schedule argument. I hate, you know. First off, people, the, 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 as far as the six game argument goes, can people stop acting like uh, it's Ohio State's fault that they only got six games in and and put right. put the blame to the leadership of that conference <laughs> for, for for putting them in an impossible situation, right? Uh, I, that I mean, that's really all they did. You know, Ohio State played who was in front of them that they could. You know, they had to cancel two games because of COVID, but they played everybody who was in front of them, just like Clemson right. did, just like Texas A&M did, just like Alabama did. And they they right. played who was in front of them. Okay, and then <clears throat> and then you want to talk about and then you want to talk about oh uh, they didn't play anybody. Okay, so again, you're going to blame Ohio State. It's Ohio State's fault that they're in the conference that they're in. Well, no, no, no. But let's step back for a minute. Because that's very uh, – I am a fan of an SEC team. I'm a graduate – sure. they weren't in the SEC when I was there. Uh, but uh, I graduated from a school that is now in the SEC. Okay. It's the thing I hate the most are SEC fans. <laughs> I hate that. And so I had, a, I had a, a buddy of mine that's actually an Alabama fan. We were talking, and he actually thinks Ohio State deserved to be in, but he was cracking some jokes about, oh, they don't play anybody, though. And I'm like, dude – 
this whole season until you got to Florida, the only game that Alabama had to worry about was A&M. And that was early in the year and they stomped them. Yeah. Otherwise the SEC sucks. Did you watch the SEC this year? The Mississippi team's bad. Arkansas, bad. Missouri, bad. Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Georgia's not even good. South Carolina sucks ass. Auburn, Auburn, terrible. Tennessee. LSU, terrible. Tennessee, terrible. The SEC was awful at football this year. There were three teams in the SEC that were any good. Three teams worth of shit. Hell, if Ole Miss had any sort of defense, they would have beaten Alabama. Alabama was not stopping Ole Miss whatsoever. (laughs) So I don't know. And then you go to the actually probably this year this year the ACC was probably the best football conference. I, weird to say, but you got Notre Dame who played in the ACC this year. Uh-huh. You got Clemson. Miami played pretty well. UNC was pretty good. Like they had some decent teams. Yeah, they probably were the best conference, which is gross. Right, but so you get to the end. Ohio State's the number three seed. We all saw that coming. There's no way they're leaving Ohio State out. And then and then number four happened. Yeah, and it, I'm just I'm not surprised because I also think if Notre Dame's on the table with any other team, they just purely based on the fact that they're Notre Dame, they're going to have a little favor, uh, which yeah. I think happens because, yeah, people watch Notre Dame. People watch them. Yeah, but they, they also if if they didn't be Clemson earlier in the season, Trevor Lawrence or not. I think if they didn't be Clemson, they wouldn't be in this position, but they be Clemson. Well, they wouldn't. Because they'd have two losses to Clemson. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. If they didn't beat a team like Clemson earlier in the season. Now, yeah, I, 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 I guess. But again, Notre Dame. Uh, if you look at the, if you look at the resume, uh, if you look at who's playing better, uh, Notre Dame showed what they were against Clemson and their starting quarterback. Uh, and they didn't show that they had any improvement. They, I mean, they literally got stomped all over. No chance in that game. A&M, after their loss to Alabama, got better every week. A&M was one of the most dominant teams in college football at ball control and just grinding a game out. And 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 they dominated their way through the rest of, again, I just called it a, a pretty weak SEC, but they still dominated their way through an, an SEC schedule. And, except and for I Ole Miss think, in Florida. Oh, except for Ole Miss in Florida. No, no, I'm talking about A&M. Oh, A&M, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Who, A&M beat Florida. A&M's got good wins on their schedule too, but I just, I think Notre Dame got in because they were Notre Dame. Yeah. It was oh. just, we're putting Notre Dame in because we can. Yeah, I, I and I agree, and that's why I just think, it, it's more of a case for why I think, you know, the, the, the playoff needs expanded. Not too much, but to maybe just eight teams. Because I just feel like the four teams below those top four teams, you can always make an argument, but after that, you start getting the arguments start getting weaker and weaker. But I just it, think I think the top the the power conferences <laughs> should all get an automatic berth in in the playoff. Yeah, I yeah. think power conferences. Think of what that would look like instead. Power conferences get an an automatic berth, and then you go to the three, uh, the three at large teams, and and then nobody has a complaint. No, and uh, no, and that's and that's exactly. Uh, God, I lost my train of thought again. Uh, well, <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't like I don't like people talking about like, oh, that would diminish the regular season. No, it wouldn't. Stop it. No. What are you talking about? No, the regular still season would still mean a ton. You're taking eight teams out of hundreds. You're taking eight. Yeah, out of a hundred and some teams, you're going to take eight. 
Yeah, and you know what? I don't get to another argument. I don't get when it comes to this. This is why. This is why it's all bullshit. This is it's because there's really no criteria. Okay, it's really just whoever looks the prettiest. Okay, and that's why I think Notre Dame stayed in. I mean, clearly conference champions don't matter. Okay, I mean they sort of do because some of them get let in. It's really just. It's all about the eye test. It's all about who people who who who. It's eye test and. I guess money. I mean, the money doesn't the money doesn't make any sense to me either because any team in that top eight is going to draw, <laughs> is going to draw as Dude. well. So really, it's just really it's just this committee just goes, oh god, we so we have to put Alabama in, we have to put Clemson in. Uh, but here's the thing: if you go to, you're right. But here's the thing: if you go to eight, okay, so you've got Ohio State in, Clemson in, Alabama in, Oregon in, Oklahoma in. Now you're left with three at large. So you're going to put A and M in. You're going to put yeah. Notre Dame in. Uh-huh. And then you're and then you're probably going to put a Cincinnati team in. Yeah, yeah. Which so you're well, also allowing some of those teams that have cra- like UCF a couple years ago, right? When they were really really good, right? Give them a chance, right? It's an incredible. Right now, there's story. no chance because that would be an incredible story. You got like you know six seven teams of yes, these are the top teams in America. But then it's like oh, there's that intriguing story. There's that intriguing Cincinnati team who's been great all year. That'd be great. Who who, who do UCF play in that bowl game that year? Northwestern State Junior College of the Niagara River. Uh, no, 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 Mary. no. They were in a big bowl. What bowl were they in? Uh, I think they were in the Fiesta, I want to say. The Fiesta or the Was Orange the Fiesta bowl? bowl? Fiesta or Orange, I want to say. They were in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. yeah, they were in the Fiesta Bowl. They played a good LSU team, and LSU beat them by a touchdown. Yeah. So for all the people that are like, Oh, okay, you're going to whine about Cincinnati not being in when they would just go play Alabama and get smoked. Maybe not. Yeah. Like that that UCF team, they lost to a really good SEC team by a touchdown. It was a great game. Yeah. So, well, if you're a yeah, team I'm like that, game. yeah, if you're a team like that, you only have to beat them once. It's not like you're going to see them every year. You only have to beat them once. That's it. You got to play well enough to beat them once. Well, the year before, no, and actually, I'm wrong. I think the year we're talking about was 2017. Uh huh. And they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. And I think that's the year they finished undefeated. Okay. Okay. So they beat yeah. an SEC, a good Auburn team yeah. that year. Yeah. I, it just, again, I think the more seasons like this happen, the more chances you have of them saying, you know what, we'll take it out. We'll take it out to eight games. I'm not, I don't think they should go higher than that. No. I think but you do water it down after that. I think eight teams is perfect. I would rather have it watered down to the point where if I win my conference and I'm a power five conference, mm-hmm. if I win my conference, I should have a chance to win a national championship. Sure. Yeah. Like it should be that watered down because yeah. not all conferences are playing the same schedule. Sure. So if I win my conference, I should have a chance. And then those three other at large teams. Now you're talking about, you know, you're getting the best teams in the country there. Yeah. And you yeah. can't say, you cannot tell me Notre Dame is better than Texas A&M or vice versa. Right. Right. And that sucks because they are, those are two of the top five teams in the country and one of them doesn't get a shot. Right. Right. So anyways, college football playoffs coming at you. Bowl games started today. There's bowl games going on already. Uh, so a uh, little bit more college football to go. We got, we talked to Browns. So the last thing we're going to talk about, unless, you know, unless you guys throw some other stuff in, I got to bring this up. We got excited last week talking about a little fantasy football at the end of the podcast because there was a chance that there was going to be an all in in the league that I have run for years now, the better part of a decade. 
there was a chance that we were going to have a garage beers final between me, a crazy underdog story, no and, Joe, and Joe <laughs> and Joe's team, a team that should have been there. One of the best teams in yeah. the league all year. It was one of the best teams. Uh, it's all bullshit. And There's collusion. There is some shady behind the scenes stuff going on. I don't is trust the final score. There's is there fraud. There's fraud. Yeah, we need it. Is there fraud? Yeah. Is Rudy Giuliani on this? Yes. Um, is he yes. going to be dripping hair dye? I up, stopped up counting after Sunday. It was clear that I was going to win, but uh, things didn't turn out that way. So, <laughs> yeah, I was winning after Sunday, and then somehow I lost. Winning. <laughs> Uh, no, it's all a bunch of bullshit, but I'm over it because, you know. One of our teams pulled their weight, knocking out the number one team in the league, my team, in the finals. I'm looking to repeat. It would be the league's first repeat champion. And one of our teams <laughs> didn't do. pull their weight. One yeah, of our one teams of, didn't yeah. pull their weight, Joe. And it's going to suck because if we can post the scores, what I score next week, but I, I would have beat you by – 30 points next oh. week. You're so full of crap. You're so full of crap. You, you know what? Maybe you would have. I hope. Actually, I sincerely hope that you score in your third place game next week. I hope you score 250 points. I'll put a bet on it. How about this? Oh, do How about if, if, if my team on it last week? If, if my team wins, then I'll pay you uh, what I would have paid you for winning plus double. Okay. No. And oh, if your team this. wins, or if, yeah, if your team wins, oh. that happens. If my team wins, then I don't have to pay you for winning the championship. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm going to, I'm going to take your regular money and just enjoy it. Oh uh, boy. I'm going to, I'm going to take your money wow. and enjoy it, my friend. Uh, so we, we, we are, we are robbed of the smack talk that would have been an all garage. Could, could still be. Could still be. That offer is uh, good until uh, Wednesday. Like I said, I'm just going to take your money, uh, and I'm going to I'm going to enjoy doing it. <laughs> and that's it. Although that's I'm, not gonna, it. I'm not going to pull do a for, Joe. Do it for the show. I'm not going to pull a Joe. <laughs> I'm not going to talk the smack that Joe talked last week, making guarantees about his successes. Uh, I'm going to take more of a Kevin Stefanski approach. Okay. I got one more game. One more game against a good opponent that uh, yeah. beat Joe. This I'm week, gonna, I'm gonna go and his whack ass yeah, team. Some shit. Joe and his whack ass team. <laughs> just, we're just gonna go one and zero. That's it. Just go one and zero. Joe and the the whole Green Bay Packers offense that <laughs> didn't show up to Carolina. I don't know. <laughs> just didn't show up. Yep. So you robbed us, Joe. You robbed us of some fun on the podcast. Not good for the show, man. I what a di- want you to think of the show move. a little bit more often. What a yeah, dick my, my bad, guys. My bad. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. We got some good football talking. What else? Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, John Bucigras is on SportsCenter right now. So get over that. Well, not right. If you're listening to this, he may or may not be. I don't know when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. But here we are on Tuesday night, uh, and John Bucigras is on SportsCenter. No, I think the last thing we'll do before we get out of here, guys, because this is the last time we will have a chance to talk to our listeners uh, as the holiday approaches, obviously, uh, Christmas coming up Friday. Uh, hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, you'll have to forgive us. We did not do this, uh, and this is my fault or our fault. Uh, we hope for all of you that celebrated Hanukkah, you had a wonderful Hanukkah uh, Christmas coming up this week. We hope you have a wonderful Christmas, a happy holiday. Uh, if you get to spend it with family or if you're alone or whatever you're doing, we hope you have some nice cold beers some delicious food. You get to watch a little bit of football guys. What are your, do you have any fun plans for Christmas? 
Oh, the family and I are headed to Hocking Hills tomorrow. That'll be a good time. Wow. Yeah. We're headed Just to Hocking Hills. getaway. Headed to Hocking Hills uh, uh, tomorrow through uh, coming back Sunday. So Nice. We're yeah. fun, Chad. Yeah. I got to yeah. entertain some asshole talking about his fantasy team for <laughs> the night. <laughs> so, yeah. no, I'm not looking forward yes. to it. All right, boys. Well, hey, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you guys, to you, the listeners. Merry Christmas. I hope Santa Claus is awesome to all of you and that you get what you want. Uh, hopefully that might include some Garage Beers merchandise at some point. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, but uh, hope you all have a wonderful holiday. Thank you, uh, as always, for listening. Again, thank you to our special guest, John Bucci-Gross from ESPN Sports Center. Go follow him at Bucci-Gross uh, as hockey's getting ready to get going. For Joey over there on the west side, for Chad on the east side, I'm Michael. Joey, I'll see you on the links tomorrow, brother. Uh, you guys all have a great, a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.